0: Hello and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information services provider for emerging markets executives. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with research, analytical tools and data that help power their emerging market business strategies. Today we'll discuss the latest developments in Ukraine and the outlook for the market for 2016 and beyond. My name is Martina Boziceva, and I'm the head of research for Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And um, I'm joined today for our conversation by Mark McNamee, our Central and Eastern Europe analyst. As a reminder, some of the research that we will be discussing today and some of the data specific to Ukraine that we have is available to our clients via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. Now, Mark, let's start by talking about what we keep on seeing in the news these days, which is uh, the country's financial situation, the debt negotiations, and and the IMF deal. So uh, can you give us an update of where the country is in this process?
1: Sure, Martina. So in the end, Ukraine is really in a much better position currently than it was just this past summer, just a couple months ago. They reached an IMF deal uh, this past summer, receiving the second tranche of funds of the total $17.5 billion that the IMF promised back in March. They successfully restructured their large debts with private creditors just about a month ago. And this is really critical to the government uh, improving the economic situation in the country, freeing up the necessary government revenues so that they can start using those revenues to address the real economy instead of paying off interest on foreign debts. Again, this is very good progress, but still major questions remain whether the level of the debt restructuring is enough for the improvement for the country's economic progress for the next several years. Beyond that, the World Bank, the U.S., and European countries have given critical financial support in the last several months, and they have promised to come through with, with some more in the coming year.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's probably good news for the exchange rate, I imagine?
1: Of course, the the exchange rate has stabilized over the last six months, which has been a, really a, a major achievement uh, over the past year, considering all the volatility that they saw at the beginning of 2015 and all of 2014. And also the currency reserves have, uh, have stabilized and increased and should strengthen very significantly by the end of this year.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so some good news coming out of Ukraine finally. Now, of course, what's on everybody's mind is the situation in the East. There seems to have been a relative stabilization there. But of course, the question still remains of whether we may see an escalation in violence, what that would look like, etc. So can, can you give us a sense of what the status is there?
1: So despite all the warnings and all of the upticks in violence that we saw over the last six months or so, the situation has really stabilized in about the last three weeks to a month. And we believe that this current stabilization of the conflict will continue for the foreseeable future. It's really not in Putin's interest to continue the conflict at a very high level or to commit any more overt aggressive acts. And so we do expect that Putin's end goal will be to achieve a frozen conflict along the current line of control that we've seen, akin to what we've seen in Transnistria and in other zones of conflict around Russia's periphery. So this is An improvement, of course, compared to the nightmare scenario that was possible of more overt Russian aggression, but nonetheless still a a critical situation in the East.
0: Yeah, and just a note to our clients as well is that this is one of those uh, situations that does require contingency thinking. So while this is our base case view, there is, of course, still a risk of anything from miscalculation. To, to changes in kind of the view either from Kiev or from Moscow and in changing this relative stability that we're seeing right now. And this is where we advise our clients to really think about what would the downside look like and how would the business need to respond to it as they're preparing their 2016 plans. Now, speaking of that, I guess the next question from a private sector perspective is Is there business to be done in the Donbass region at all? When? And what could that potentially look like, given that it doesn't look like it's going to be independent and it also doesn't look like it's going to be uh, fully part? Uh, reintegrated into Ukraine,
1: right? And and this is this is a problem on many levels, and lots of clients have have come to us with these issues. So looking at them separately, regarding Crimea, Crimea is truly Russia's an all but legal name, and so should be considered as a part of your Russia portfolio.
0: Uh, with the caveat there that it's illegal to do business in Crimea given sanctions. So uh, while we know some companies have accidental business that is done via partners or or actually smuggled products, we're not advising clients to be actively pursuing business opportunities in Crimea, especially if they're American companies that would be subject to uh, strict sanctions.
1: Correct, exactly. More to the point from the Ukrainian point of view is that they should consider Crimea and its economic productivity outside of the realm of their Ukrainian portfolio. Regarding the Donbass, that remains legally and practically within Ukrainian territory and should continue to be considered as such for the future. Yet as long as the potential for fighting exists and the area remains in a frozen conflict, which will likely continue for several years in our opinion, opportunities for firms to operate in, in that region specifically will remain effectively non-existent. In the end, this is not a major concern, though, because the situation has developed so many refugees and so much of the productive population, so many of the the middle class and the productive workers have already fled the region. So really leaving a very small uh, consumer base behind. So from that point of view, it's a tragic humanitarian crisis. uh, But from a business perspective, It's just not really an area of opportunity. Nonetheless, for firms operating in the region, they need to look at opportunities to assist their local partners if they want to continue business operations, uh, helping them register within Rump, Ukraine helping them obtain uh, bank accounts and offering financial support if possible.
0: Yeah, we've mostly seen that being done by companies that serve the industrial sector, where they still have some large customers left that are business customers and uh, that are still operating at a certain level of capacity. So there is a very minimal practical business there, but uh, the rest is very, very accidental. And it seems like, Mark, you're saying that it will continue to be like that next year as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well through 2016. And for the foreseeable future there's no reason to see a substantive improvement in the situation there in the coming years.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the other question that is very much in the news and also of course a cause of concern is the political situation in the country. We have elections coming up in October. We have uh, quite a bit of <laughs> instability. The the approval ratings of the president are not that great. What is the likelihood of substantial political unrest? And uh, how else could the political games play out from, from our client's perspective?
1: Sure. And, and it's a good question, Martina, because, look, at the end of the day, this is why we're here talking about Ukraine. The, the people are demanding a substantively different political governing class. And that's why they conducted the coup and pushed out the old regime and were demanding a different future. So the answer is that if the people don't get that future that they're searching for, Clients should not be surprised to see a another Maidan or just a, a drastic increase in political unrest in the country. When that occurs, the severity of that event is really up in the air, of course, and the situation is really testing people's patience. But we're mildly optimistic. There has been uh, significant reform progress. That remains a critical issue in the country. Something that our clients should be monitoring for the next several months and, if not years. And so we're we're mildly optimistic that. With the reform progress, the operational environment will improve. The people, of course, will be somewhat dissatisfied, but we do not believe that this will be enough to destabilize the country and bring it back to where they were at the end of 2013 and early 2014.
0: Yeah, and I imagine uh, the population... It has already seen too much struggle and suffering as a result of political instability to want to restart that that cycle again
1: sure exactly they obviously the people are very tired of the civil unrest of the depressed economy and they want to move on and sincerely want to move towards the west and and at the end of the day if there's any silver lining in the war in the east it's that's it's sent an indelible signal to the people that going back is not an option and that's the Russian form of government and Putin's regime is is really playing an important role in developing this new Ukrainian identity that's determined to move to the West and change their, their form of governance.
0: Um, just a quick note here, so when we think about 2016, what are the key reforms that we should be watching? Uh, for the government to implement? Because uh, there's obviously demand for certain things that have not been delivered yet. Uh, what are the top reforms that uh, the, the government really needs to deliver on?
1: The prime issue at the end of the day is really the anti-corruption drive. That's why the people ultimately went onto the Maidan in the first place. They wanted a change in the system of governance and wanted a more fair, legal Western system marked by improved levels of rule of law and an improved justice system and and an improved police system. That's what they're waiting for is really this anti-corruption drive to take hold within the country. So uh, reforms have been made, at least nominally, to create an anti-corruption department. Officials are currently being selected to fill that department and it's expected that early in 2016 the actual anti-corruption drive will start to take place and those anti-corruption reforms are supposed to start to be implemented on the ground.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, given all of this uh, environment that you've described, Mark, what are some of the things that multinationals should be doing and building into their 2016 plans for the market?
1: First and foremost, they need to stop this wait and see period. Uh, Most multinationals that that we've been speaking to have more or less thrown their hands up in the air, looked at the situation, said it's almost impossible to understand, far too complicated, far too unpredictable and uncertain, and really aren't making solid plans for the future. Of course, no business can operate like that. So we're advising they need to develop a more nuanced view of the market, which we can help them do, and then start making plans with that. There are some things that we do know. As I mentioned, the central bank reserves have strengthened, the currency has stabilized, And significant progress has been made towards obtaining the necessary foreign aid from the IMF and from Western governments, as well as this critical debt deal. These are all of course very important steps, but in the end the economy will of course continue to struggle and there will be very low domestic demand for years. So in the end, MNCs, yes, stop that wait and see period, but what that really means on the ground is that they have to be nimble and create contingency plans. They need to solidify market share for the long term and cut expenses as profits will assuredly be hurt for the next year at least. More practically speaking, they need to start working more closely with their distributors. Their distributors are suffering a lot in this market, yet at the same time they're being increasingly relied upon by the MNCs. So these multinational firms need to increasingly monitor their distributors and offer financial support when and where necessary. Also, consumer behavior has changed for the long term, so multinationals need to reassess their customer needs and preferences and segment those customers accordingly. And lastly, firms with a more long-term strategic vision for the Ukrainian market should look to acquire assets, brands, and competitors at a discount, all while watching for signposts for a potential recovery, and then, since they're in the right position at that time, be adaptable enough to be able to capitalize on those opportunities as they come about.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, and then... As a reminder, for those companies that may be in the mood for thinking about investments, what are some of the long-term attractive fundamentals in Ukraine that are going to be driving companies to stay for the long term?
1: And it's a good question, Martina. I'm happy you're finishing on a a more positive note, since we're only getting pretty much negative news out of the Ukrainian market. But that's really an important point to remind our clients of, that over the long term, Ukraine really is truly an attractive market, globally and more importantly within the CIS region. They currently have a government that's very interested in attracting foreign investors. They now have a very cheap, educated labor force. They have a diversified economy, well-developed infrastructure, natural resources, and it also has a very large addressable market. And lastly, this is of course dependent upon greater reform progress, but the country has really turned towards towards liberalism and a more western style of governance. And therefore, the business operating environment should improve dramatically over the next several years.
0: Thank you very much, Mark. Now, for our clients on the line who are thinking about their 2016 plans for Ukraine, just a reminder of some of the resources that FSG can support you with. Uh, One is uh, some of our syndicated research. We have a very uh, detailed report on how multinationals are adapting to Ukraine's environment for 2016 and what are some of the strategies that they have implemented and what is our view on that market in quite a bit of detail. So certainly a great resource for those of you who are building 2016 Plants. Also, as you think about how the executional aspect of those plans is uh, going to play out, uh, think about some of the, the ways in which uh, the business may need to adapt. FSG can support you in um, assessing the resilience of your distributors in that market and identifying ones that may be at risk. We can support you in reassessing the customer segments that you're selling into, including their purchasing power and preferences, which as we know have changed for a lot of different customer groups. Uh, We also can help with contingency planning Uh, as well as uh, making the case, if that's what you're looking to do. And we hope that you're looking to make the case for this market, uh, which uh, will remain a long-term opportunity for multinationals. Now, with that, we um, wanted to thank you again for the time and wish you great performance in your emerging markets.